Hello and welcome to a very special McCartney Five podcast. On this week's show, we have an interview with two of the hottest young indie filmmakers on the Malaysian scene. <laughs> <laughs> Gavin Yap and Trina Tan Yap, who will be talking to us about their movie, Take Me to Dinner. Hello. Hello. Hello, Hello Ian. Ian. Hello. How are you both doing? Oh, we're oh, doing very good. Thank you. Thank you for thank, having us. Thank yeah. you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> this is odd. It is odd. So your film gets released tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Tomorrow. March 13th. March 13th, yeah. It's opening at uh, uh, GSC, Mid-Valley, Wanutama, KL, Pavilion, and Gurney Plaza Penang. Cool. You nervous? Yeah, not really, no. We've been, I mean, we've been uh, living with this movie for, for so long now that it's just... You know, we're we're happy that it's coming out, and of course we'd you know of course we'd like it to find an audience, but mm-hmm. I don't think we're gonna be um, you know crying ourselves to sleep if uh, if it doesn't set the box office on fire. <laughs> no, we were talking about this earlier, and we 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 mentioned that you know we've done kind of all it is that we could do mm-hmm. to sort of you know do our part as as a director as a producer, mm-hmm. and now you just kind of set it into the wild. Just let it go. Yeah. I think I think our exact words were, you know, we've matured this damn thing to adulthood. It's time for it to leave home. <laughs> you know, so and uh, let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. So you guys have been doing well. Some of you, both of you, have you done any interviews? Uh, what? No, no, I no, haven't. You haven't. So this, is, this is an exclusive. This is an exclusive. So you've been doing a bit to pieces, loads of interviews. So we'll try and get beyond some of what we you normally been getting with regards to the making of the movie and stuff. And I have questions. Great. So um, we should just quickly get the blurb out of the way for people who don't know what Take Me to Dinner is. So can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, in a nutshell, Take Me to Dinner. It's about a retirement dinner for an old assassin played by Patrick Teo. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two stories that run parallel to each other, and the first story is centers around the retirement dinner. Um, uh, Pat- Patrick's character, whose name is Edward, uh, requests for his dinner, and it's his colleagues, who are also assassins like himself, who uh, played by uh, Thor. I mean, I'll just go to the character list really quick. Manny, mm-hmm. played by Thok Ah Hong. Mm-hmm. Um, Ham, played by Yuan Ung. Teddy, played by Ben Tan. And Elijah, played by Michael Chen. And they're the ones who basically uh, who throw him the dinner at um, Coliseum, mm. the, the historic Coliseum um, hotel and restaurant and bar. Um, and then the other story that runs parallel to it is the, which is told in flashback, is the uh, centers on the relationship between Edward and Jennifer, played by Susan Lancaster, and it's about how their relationship kind of informs um, Edward's decision to request for his dinner. So a lot of the interviews you've done, you've talked about how you kind of did this arse backwards. You yeah. decided so from doing relationship status, you decided you wanted to do a movie. Yeah, well, oh, I, mean, I, I had always wanted to make a movie, but doing relationship status sort of gave me an idea of how it could be done relatively cheap, mm-hmm. um, and also just seeing how Kai made that film, and um, uh, just him telling me stories about how he went about making ch- um, uh, Chiplak, his mm-hmm. first film, um, just sort of ins- just sort of reminded me that this was what I w- always wanted to do. Mm. And I kind of got a little annoyed with myself that it had taken so long, and that's but that was it. That's how it started, yeah. And were those stories from Kai the only, apart from being on set doing stuff yourself, were they the only kind of interaction you had with the actual making part of it, as opposed to just acting? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I had uh, I've been on I've been on quite a few film sets and uh, t- uh, TV sh- TV sets, uh, but it was mainly as an actor and sometimes as a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had never actually been that involved in the making of it. Mm. So you decide you want to do it. You set aside some time. You start getting people involved, and then you have to write the script. Yes. After everything was already set up. Yeah. I mean, I had sl- I started to think about it, um, but I I was I felt that if I didn't commit myself to it, then it might not happen. Yeah. So it was just a way of ensuring that it would happen. Um, and you know, and I've said this a few times is that Trina and I didn't really have any idea what would happen to the film, uh, which was why we felt safe to to uh, commit ourselves to making it because we were al- giving ourselves the freedom to fuck up. Yeah, we were giving ourselves the, the freedom. target was failure. The target <laughs> the target was to make a movie. We had no idea if the if you know we wanted to give ourselves the freedom to to fuck up our first film. Mm-hmm. The bar was pretty low. Mm-hmm. Well, so... it always is with Gavin. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, that's that's kind of how it was, and then when other people started to take an interest in it, um, and w- it it just snowballed into something else. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be something that we did purely for fun. So, were you always going to be on board as producer when this kind of got going? Or yeah, he, I mean, he came to me with the idea, mm-hmm. and you know, he from the very beginning, you know, he he just said that basically what he came to say was, "I'm going to be 35, and I've always wanted to make a film." And I want to do it before my birthday. Mm. And at this point, um, when did you speak to me about it? Uh, I, I don't remember exactly when I spoke to you about it, but it was probably it was probably December or January. Um, it was probably it, it was probably ja- probably January two thousand twelve, somewhere around there, possibly February, but no later than that. Because mm. um, uh, because we also need we also had our wedding that was going to be in two thousand twelve, and so that was something that needed to be considered. Yeah, as you and I said, you are an idiot when it comes to planning. Yeah, yeah. Well, we the wedding was in October. We shot the film in September. Yeah. But because <laughs> yeah. we couldn't move the date that his we, birthday. We, yeah. So, so that, that was, was the, the deciding factor. Really, that was the target. You didn't think of giving yourselves more time at any point? No, no. I mean, I wanted to shoot in August, mm. uh, but Patrick wasn't available, uh, so that's why it had to be September and. It was, you know, it's a double-edged sword because it gave me more time to uh, focus on the script, mm. um, and it was it was kind of a blessing because because we knew that we were shooting this film in September and we knew that the wedding was in October, we actually started uh, um, uh, planning the wedding extra early, mm. and um, when it came time for the for the actual wedding, we was relatively stress-free because so oh, much yeah? of it, I know, <laughs> relatively. I mean, yeah. a lot of the stress came from outside. Um, things it didn't come from us no it didn't like whiskey yeah <laughs> and not being you know, able to stand as in, as in fucking parents you know? <laughs> a lot a lot of the a lot of the stress was stuff that you know like like uh, her mom just freaks out all the time you know? <laughs> and my mom freaks out all the time so a lot of the stress came from places like that but it didn't come from us because huh. a lot of stuff had been sorted yeah so he came to you with the idea was the idea back then what it is now no no what? oh well, it was about um, assassins, mm-hmm. yeah. but the story um, the storyline was a bit different. I think that was more like a road trip, uh, more along the lines of a comedy, actually. Yeah. Uh, where these assassins kind of uh, took uh, two old assassins and they took a road trip to Ipo. Yeah. Um, to, to sort of... Uh, I still want to do that. <laughs> so, was, sh- <laughs> so, okay. So, anyway, that was the story. And then... Um, he wrote he wrote a bit of that. I think there was a treatment or something like that. And then when he went in for the first reading, and I wrote it, 
I, I worked on that idea to the point where I realized I didn't have the money to do it. Mm-hmm. Because as I continued to write it, uh, it was like, um, I mean, it's not a huge budget, but it's definitely not... More than what... Yeah. You needed a character. Yeah. yeah. I, for, <laughs> yes. for longer than 25 minutes. We didn't we didn't do a, a full reading until I had finished a full draft. Um, and that was of... More of that was That one. was take me to dinner. Yeah. And when you get to the full reading at that point, so you've already just got... Had you gotten all the actors on board at that point just from You Owe Me? I, Buried yeah, that body for you. you. We had gotten the core group of people together by the time I finished the first draft. Right. Um, Which was Patrick. Yeah, like a, like the core group of assassins and Susan were were, were they came together very quickly mm-hmm. uh, because I had directed um, the the all the assassins in a production of the Homecoming, mm. and I didn't intend to bring them all back together, but just as we were working on it, I just um, once I decided that. Um, uh, be- because the interesting thing is that the first draft of the uh, of the script was written um, in in was written for, to be very linear. It happened. It, it it didn't. It doesn't jump like the actual. Fi- you know, those of you who see the film, it jump. It you know, there's it goes a lot back of, and forth. It goes back and forth between present flashback, present flashback. The the first draft of the script didn't happen that way. The first draft of the script happened when he when Patrick meets her, mm-hmm. and it goes. It's it's it was very linear. Oh. so the first half of it was a love story. The second half of it was this um, hitman, hitman, hitman thing, this yeah. hitman story. So as I was, so it was interesting. As I was working on the love story, and then I started to get ideas for who I wanted the the other hitman to be, um, uh, and then that was sort of when it kind of dawned on me as like it, it would be great to get the homecoming crew back together. So mm. by the time I finished the first draft, I'd already spoken to all those guys, and they had all more or less said yes. Okay. So you had your cast kind of ready. How did you also then start getting with your crew together? Uh, the crew, um, a lot of it came from Kai uh, because I told Kai when when we had the uh, the 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 pre I suppose like the gala screening for relationship status, and um, they had this little um, rap party after that. I think he was drunk and he he stood up on on a table and just thanked everyone because we all work for free mm-hmm. and uh, and he was like if any of you need 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 someone to shoot your movie or whatever just let me know and uh, I went right up right up to him I was like you you serious about that okay fine you're shooting my film <laughs> uh, you know oh when are we gonna do it I don't know I'll before my you, birthday I'll call you tomorrow <laughs> no at the time that decision had not been made yeah um, and I really enjoyed working with the the relationship status crew mm-hmm. uh, so I wanted to use a lot of those people as well. Um, they were just a very passionate bunch mm. and re- relationship status like take me to dinner was a passion project. It didn't have, they didn't have much money. A lot of them were working for nothing and, but you'd never know it, mm. you know, the way that they went about their job and, uh, they, and, you know, to their credit, they brought that same kind of enthusiasm to the take me to dinner shoot. You would think, you, you would think they were getting paid fairly well, mm. <laughs> yeah. you know, cause this is insane hours. Yeah. They didn't get know. paid at all. No. No. Well, uh, well not they, they, they had a did, token in the end. They did. They did. They did get paid after. Yeah. Um, there, we couldn't promise them any money to begin with, but we did give them some money after. So was the entire thing night shoots? No. 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 It was about fifty percent night shoots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, Trina, because this guy's on every, he can't read a thing online without him turning up. <laughs> when did you kind of you knew he was going to do it you knew you'd be involved but yeah. when did you kind of take on the title of producer and did you have any idea what you were letting yourself in for um I did to a degree mm-hmm. um when he said he wanted to you know I, I have done producing before um on, on little things so I knew what to expect um it's for just our listeners whether, at home what kind of stuff is that 
um, TV programs. No, what kind so, of stuff? Like, what's what is the stuff that's involved in the producing role? Um, it's it's you're basically a project manager, mm -hmm. so you've got to get. Well, in my role, it was to find places to shoot. Uh, if I can secure a sponsorship, um, getting you know just managing these people, their time. Uh, you know, organizing, you know, schedules, mm -hmm. um, you know, timelines, that kind of thing, just to end them. Also, the marketing part as well. But I, I mean, both Susan and I worked together on that one. So, but basically, the producing part was so he came to me with the script and said, you know, this is what we need. So I went about looking for, you know, what we can get for free mm -hmm. um, and, you know, um, the timeline that would. When you suit. can get it for free. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hence, which is why uh, the schedule was like that. We shot uh, principal photography in, you know, for 12 days. Well, there um, was no non-principal photography, was there? No. Yeah, <laughs> just photography. Uh, just, just photography. But, Coverage? Um, <laughs> what the fuck's that? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, the schedule had to fit in with those people's times. Mm. And, I mean, also we needed to get it done before the wedding. So... That's why the schedule was like that. It was just I had to fit everything in people, people's time, free things. Mm -hmm. So everything it just had to gel together. And exactly how much of a nightmare was Gavin to work with? <laughs> he was no, actually, um, to be, I mean, husband aside, uh -huh. uh, or, or then fiance. Um, I think he he, I think he listens to to you know the suggestions or. If we can, because when I showed him the schedule, mm -hmm. he was a bit, he was like, what? 12 days. And I'm like, well, this is, this is, we have to do it. What did he and think more like? I didn't expect much more. I mean, I was hoping for a little bit more than 12 days. Oh, you were worried how, how tight it was. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, there was. <laughs> so the producer was. There wasn't much room for error with, with, uh, with 12 days. That's unusual, isn't it? Right? Usually the director will want more. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, not. The, no. This is the, the producer will make sure there's enough cover. You know, there's enough enough uh, risk, basically. Yes. So he but was worried about the risk, but yeah. you think you had down. Yeah. No, we we didn't really have no, a margin she, of error. I think she realized that she she knew it was a crazy schedule, but it was one of those things where she was like, "Look, sorry, this is what we have if, to do. This is what this is this is a uh, you know the time that you have." Um, I mean. I, we did have a few days, you know, like a couple of days for contingency. Um, and, and besides, the 12 days was over a span of a month. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, days in between. Uh, but the days in which they had full days to shoot was just 12 days. Yeah. Uh, but but they managed to do it. I think if you don't have the luxury of time... Yeah, it forces you... you. <laughs> it really does force you to make the most of what you have. Necessity is a mother. Exactly. Mm. Ian. <laughs> so yeah so yeah, you said no there are other places you know you wrote your script uh, kind of metamorphosized over the course of writing when did your actors get the actual like writing script so it's still when it was when it was done it was linear but it was at that point that was the reading stage and that's a couple of months out still we we did uh, readings uh um, Fairly often. Whenever there was a new draft, everyone came in. Well, not everyone. I mean, like 90% of the people came in and we read it. How many uh, drafts did you do total? Uh, the shooting script was the fifth draft. Okay. Did you find having that deadline bearing down on you hard to work with? Or, you, you know, did it focus No, you? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I kind of like working towards a deadline. Um, you tend to get more done that way. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have no deadline, there's always that danger of just, you know, uh, just leaving it. 
So, I mean, it was a pain in the ass sometimes, um, because it wasn't always uh, smooth sailing with the writing. You know, the first draft was written fairly quickly. Um, What's the, fairly quickly for you? Uh, I think I wrote the first draft in like a week. Uh, maybe a week and a half. It wasn't, wasn't more than two weeks. So I know the first draft came together pretty quick. The second draft wasn't even a second draft. I mean, the second draft was just just minor tweaks. You know, I, uh, and I think the third draft was... When the story changed. The, the third draft was when I think I, was when I started playing around with um, the time lapse. Mm. Um, and that confused the fuck out of everyone. Um, and then I remember I had... Especially for you trying to plan out days, I guess. And then the fourth draft was when I went completely off the rails and tried to make it commercial. Oh, really? Yeah. There was one... I think it was the fourth draft where I just just lost complete faith in everything and changed everything and tried to turn it into this very commercial film. Um, and that was a horrible draft. Was it were... horrible as in it wasn't up to your high standards or was it horrible Horrible as in it could be the big, the big hit that you could <laughs> regret? No, 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 no. It, it was horrible in the sense that I was trying to turn... A, a st I was trying to I was trying to turn it into something it wasn't mm. and it stuck out like a sore thumb I mean like it was just there were lots of things that just didn't ring true um, and and then the fifth draft was something we were all happy with because hmm. because one of the drafts I think Susan uh, what her uh, Jennifer's character uh, Susan's character Jennifer died she was like a zombie yeah she had, she had, <laughs> Jennifer had a zombie Z <laughs> Jennifer had a zombie um, yeah so that was that was out yeah wow yeah. This is a zombie version. <laughs> there was a zombie. There was there was a it, there, it was there was like a zombie fantasy sequence of, mm. of sorts. Yeah, in in one version. And strippers. Uh, prostitutes. Kind of prostitutes. Prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the prostitute actually survived until the fourth draft. And then she. Think, no, no, no. She 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 was in the first draft, second draft. I wrote her out of the third draft. She came back in the fourth draft, and then, <laughs> and then we killed her off in the fifth. We draft. really wanted to keep the whore, yeah. but uh, but no, no, no. That didn't work out. And that, I guess, informs your idea of not being sure what you were going to do with it. Like, you gave yourself, apart from budgetary constraints, constraints of trying to work around people, you didn't give yourselves any constraints with regards to what you wrote about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I wasn't thinking about censorship, and I wasn't... And again, like, you know, when you're not... When you don't know what's going to happen with the movie, you know, there's there's no there's no reason to really censor yourself at all with, with certain kinds of things. And, and it was we, quite organic and I mean the the actors had a little bit of their feedback as well mm -hmm. yeah. and and that kind of morphed and shaped it yeah and the thing with the prostitute I mean she wasn't in there just to fuck a character and then leave I mean there was a there was a character there there was a character there was a point there to was it there was an arc yeah, yeah. So, but, but I but I I mean the 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 prostitute thing stuck around long enough for me to start talking to actresses. Oh really? Yeah, and uh, and it's interesting. anyone people would know. <laughs> um, maybe. <laughs> I'm not gonna mention anyone. Uh, but but you know I mean it it was interesting. The people I thought would be cool with it weren't. The people who I thought would you know like uh, would, would, would have issues with it were like yeah all right. <laughs> so it's interesting. It is very interesting about that. I mean there was no like nudity or anything. Mm -hmm. I mean I just you know she would have to like suggestive. Yeah, I mean, she she she'd have her like her you know her bra and panties on and shit. I mean, like it's not like you, know, you wouldn't be seeing much. Yeah. But going back, I think people to... are just scared shitless about taking their clothes off in front of Patrick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but going Is Patrick back to some the kind of perm or something. Nah. To the readings, um, the it's good that we had that many readings, at least about five, five, six of them, because by that time the actors were so you know they were they had to nail down their dialogue and mm -hmm. all that and just working with each other. So because we didn't 
had that much time to shoot, so... The readings kind of doubled as rehearsals, mm. um, which we needed because we didn't have the luxury of being able to rehearse scenes and many, many times takes. on the set. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you're working on the planning out stuff with, as a producer. In the, actually, in the fourth draft, the, the prostitute uh, has, has a kung fu scene. <laughs> With with Elijah, <laughs> did you just have to just like? Do you remember that? You can't do this kind there of stuff. A, there was a kung fu scene in the fourth trap where the whore yeah. turns out to be like a double agent, and she's like, she's like a martial arts expert. She has this martial arts fight with Elijah. Dear Jesus. Because I wanted to take advantage of um, Michael Chen's Michael Chen's uh, uh, kickboxing uh, background. <laughs> I was like, we gotta have some fucking kung fu in this movie. <laughs> he didn't do a single thing, did he? Yeah, but. But, he just uh, he ate a lollipop and read a magazine. Yeah, yeah. Or held a comic book. Uh, and I knew this, and I knew this girl who I had done like a, a directed her and a voice directed her in a bunch of like animation. And I knew that she was like a judo master and shit. So I was like, you know, and she, and, she, and I thought she was, you know, she was pretty cute. So I was like, hey, do you wanna? Are you interested in acting? <laughs> it was so sleazy. Were you aware of all the sleaze? Yes, I was. Yeah. You were. You were endorsing the sleaze. I was like, oh, let me see. I'll be at the casting. Right. It's alright. <laughs> so when you get to the actual shoot itself, as again more interested in the producer thing because he's just jabbers on about stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, was your work then kind of done in a way, or were you there on set constantly checking out the, I was the director's ass or telling him to hurry the fuck up? Um, for the most part, I was in quite a few of the um the shoots as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the night scenes kind of went on really late and for the most part for those who took um who were working on that uh was only working on that and gavin sort of took leave from work or a little sabbatical you um, were still I, I was working so i could stay there till about maybe three o'clock in the morning or you four and then i was <laughs> and then i said i had to leave because i had to get up in two hours for work and you really like coffee but there's a limit right? Yeah, exactly and yeah red bull will do strange things to you you will have wings so um so I stayed for most of it to sort of just manage the time and things like that because, um, as predicted, some of the things like when we were shooting in in one of the locations, there was a little bit of a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Um, the time that we were allocated kind of got shifted, and they they wanted us to leave, and I had to sort of troubleshoot, do damage control right there and then, which was and then and then actually going to Gavin and saying we need to get out of here yeah. in, in, in two hours. And then he will sort of flip out. He had a mini flip out and then he was like, okay, we'll, we'll get it done. Yeah. But just kind of organizing and seeing that through uh, so they don't have to pack up and leave or which would have been a nightmare because you shoot like a day there and what if they didn't let us shoot there anymore, we had to change location. Mm-hmm. And redo everything. And redo everything and that wasn't really an option. So yeah, I, was, I tried to be there as much as I could. Was that, that. She's, she's like, we gotta, we gotta get out of here uh, in two hours, and I'm like, we're we're all <laughs> we're already two hours behind. Yeah. When you're like, when you got like a twelve day shoot, two hours behind is like being a day behind. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, fuck. <laughs> was that the only meltdown on set? There were there were a few. <laughs> there were a couple, but you know, we both kind of snap out of it. It's it's kind of a. It was it was it was pretty much our only melt. I mean that 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 was probably my only meltdown. Yes. Uh, 
at, at different points in the shoot, different people had different meltdowns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone just sort of went a little nuts at some point or another. But not at the same time. Yeah. From the night shoots Never at the or same just time. from being under pressure or? Um, All the above, I think. I think, uh, but I mean, the, the, the shoot. A the, lot of it was the night shoots. The 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 Coliseum shoots were the Coliseum shoot was was t- was tough. Yeah, um, it was texting. It was very the the hours were very demanding. The location was very oppressive. You know, I mean, if you know, I mean, in the sense that, you know, that place has been there forever. It's mm-hmm. been there since the twenties, right? Is or yeah, possibly maybe even earlier. I mean, I, I can't remember when when the place was established. It's but, almost like a hundred years old. Or yeah, something like and that. it feels it. And when, they haven't painted since. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go there, to, I mean, if you go there to eat, for you're there for half an hour, forty minutes, you walk out. You you smell of uh, of of that place, mm-hmm. um, because of the sizzling steak and all the steam and all the all the shit that's there, the grime, you know. But uh, which is great, and thank you, Coliseum. But <laughs> yeah, no, but but when you're there for like six seven hours, it's after a while the place just rubs off on you, and, and you're you just go like, a little bit stir crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just go a little stir crazy. It's that weird off white wall paint <laughs> as well maybe has something to do with it yeah and and just the nature of the scenes sometimes where people are sort of going off at each other sometimes it just spills out <laughs> would that have been the biggest difficulty you had to run into over the course of the film the like people. late the late nights and the having stuff moved around or what would you say was the biggest hurdle you had to overcome yeah it's just getting it done it all it all kind of blurs into one, really. I mean, the I mean the Coliseum uh, shoot was tough, but it was tough mainly because of the hours and because we were all exhausted. Mm. the The first night that we shot there was fine because we were all just sort of like, yeah, let's get it done. By the time it got to three in the morning on the second night, that was when the the crack started to started to show. And by the time it got to the third night, everyone was like, get the fuck away from it. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, we we were all just just slightly losing it. Half the, you know, the crew were surviving pretty much on petrol fumes and Red Bull, mm. you know, and I was, I took, I took leave when I could, but I was still going into um, Imagine X during the day sometimes and then still shooting at night. Mm. So there were, and there was, I mean, there was, uh, I think our last, di- our last night of shooting there was a complete clusterfuck because we had to do, there was some stuff that was carried over from the week before. And um, there was this one, it was this one scene there was a scene in the room upstairs um, between Ewan and between Patrick. Ewan and Patrick, and we needed to go to that, and we still needed to to shoot the shootout, mm-hmm. you know, the shootout scene that we had planned, um, and that and uh, I was sort of like freaking out about that because I kind of that was the one sequence that I did not storyboard, uh, but I kind of knew in my head how I wanted to, to do it. So, so you had storyboarded almost everything. I storyboarded pretty much everything. everything. And how do you storyboard? Uh. As with really, really bad drawings. Really bad. Yeah. No, no, no. no, my drawings are horrible. But but you know I, I you know but I would go through them with uh, with Kai, and um, and one thing that Kai t- told me that makes a lot of sense is that you know cinematographers love bad storyboards because mm. they get to put put their spin on it. Uh, you know if you give them a perfect storyboard that's all perfectly framed and perfectly drawn, they'll be like, what the fuck do you need me for? Yeah. So that gave Kai a little bit of freedom to have to have some fun on his own. But I kind of knew how I wanted everything to be i knew where i wanted to cut and some of and some of these scenes were kind of long some of these scenes were like you know five six page scenes so as i i didn't want to shoot the whole scene from just set you know three set angles mm-hmm. you know you do two pages this setup you do another two pages this setup so i knew exactly kind of how i wanted to do it and also just to keep it visually interesting for the viewer as well yeah um 
But uh, that last that uh, there was the last night I was I remember when we were just setting up some stuff and because there was some makeup effects involved and all of that and I just had everyone fucking coming at me you know and I mean I was like Kai you know you know Kai was like saying okay we're gonna set up here and then fucking Paul Hashem was coming up to me like going you gotta hurry up mate you gotta hurry up it's like yeah I fucking know we gotta hurry up <laughs> <laughs> did you shoot, yeah. did you shoot chronologically like with regards to the flow of the film no no or no. with regards to the flow of the story it right? was it was out of sequence oh. uh. I mean, it was some parts of it were shot in sequence, but not all of it. We couldn't. Does the finished film match what you thought you saw in your storyboards? Yes. Quite about it. Really. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, for the most part, mm. um, there were some things that we changed on the fly. Like uh, there's a scene uh, I had storyboarded a the, the scene when they first go into Coliseum, where uh, Kim Wa's character Alan join uh, meets uh, greets them and takes them into the bar and. And uh, they have that conversation about the whiskey and the wine. Uh, that was completely storyboarded, but that the storyboards needed to be chucked out because when we got there, they said, we're closing the bar in an hour. Uh. We're closing the bar in an hour. You got an hour to shoot this shit. If we had followed the storyboards, and it's like, are you crazy? So we had to just like, it was really just, okay, Kai, we're going to shoot this like four or five different times. Each time you follow a different actor. Mm -hmm. So, uh, because... I mean, you got an hour to shoot like a three-page scene. <laughs> it's that's insane. Yeah. So you're just—it was really just like just shoot it. We'll fucking fix it in editing. <laughs> it will we'll fix it in post. <laughs> but that was how it was. It was like we okay. It was like I want I want to do one. We'll do it. We'll do one bit where you just st stick with uh, Mi Michael and yeah. Thor mm -hmm. seated down. You just do one bit where you just follow Ben around. Do one and um and we shot it that way. I mean so. So there are some things in the film where we just couldn't shoot what we storyboarded for because sometimes, you know, bullshit like that happens to you and you just got to think on your feet. Mm. So you finished shooting how long ahead of the wedding? It's after the wedding. No, before the before wedding. Before the wedding. Before um, the wedding. Probably about a month. About a month before the wedding, probably. Something like that. Yeah, about three weeks. So once it was all kind of shot, is that as far ahead as you planned at that point? Or are you just like downing tools for a while? Yeah, no, no, I mean, uh, I told everyone, after we shot the film, we told everyone, it's like, <laughs> nobody, we are not touching this film until, until after. Until November. Yeah. yeah. You know, just, you know, you could you could tell Susan was, gr you know, gritting her teeth just a little bit, like, sorry, <laughs> we gotta get fucking married. <laughs> <laughs> So what? Yeah. What Susan? When did Susan come on as executive producer? She came on board as executive producer early. very early, yeah. actually. Before before she came on board as a, as an actor, she was oh. executive producer. So she was going to help with the same kind of things, but just splitting the time or getting more of the marketing. Or what was the what was the split between you and her? her I mean, um, in terms of sponsorship and and things like getting, uh, you know, if we can find money sponsors, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more more so as you know, the name to um, get the. Because Gavin's not a big enough name in his own. Absolutely. Not. Absolutely not. <laughs> he, he just needed to focus on directing. Mm. Did you enjoy directing? I did. I mean, I love directing. I mean, uh, I don't really see it. Oh, yeah, but now you're a proper director, not just one of those theater ones. <laughs> no, but I didn't really see much of a difference, you know? Yeah. It, 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 is, it is interesting that you bring that up. Because, like, <laughs> when you, when you, you know, like, uh, when you go for interviews and everything... They, they just, they just like, all of the stuff that you directed for theater, like, counts for nothing. Mm. You know, uh, it is quite interesting. But, no, I, I love directing. I, I prefer it. It's one, it's my favorite of uh, the three, acting, writing, and directing. I mean, because it's just, I just love telling a story. It's so much more fun to be a part of, to be telling the story than just being a cog in the story. Mm -hmm. um, and for some bizarre reason, directing doesn't terrify me the way acting does. Mm. 
I actually, I'm actually quite calm when I direct because I never direct any, I never, I've, I never direct without knowing what I want because I've worked as an actor, I've worked with directors who don't know what they want and it, it's, it, it drives me insane. So I make sure that I don't put my actors through that. So I'm usually pretty well prepared. You're a player manager, essentially. Piece of football analogy you don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> that. I, don't know, I don't know what the fuck that means. But no, I, I, I enjoy it very much. I mean, so, I mean, there were some days where I wanted to kill people in this, but, but I'm sure people felt the same way about me, so it's all good. Am I correct to say that at one point you said that you kind of got into theater directing in order to kind of build your skills towards movie directing and then realized that most people seem to be bypassing that completely? Yes, that's yeah. partly to do with it. Partly, yeah. You know, I mean, I... I never expected to get involved in theater the way that I did. Um, but when I, but, you know, as I got involved in theater, I fell in love with theater and I, and I still, and I still have a, a lot of affection for the stage. Um, and if theater had more of a shelf life, it wouldn't bug me so much that I hadn't directed a film. Mm. The only problem with uh, directing a lot of theater is that, you know, you direct something and you're really happy with it, but if people don't catch it, no one's you know no one knows any better it's gone forever yeah and so that that's the main thing that kind of bugged me about it mm. is uh is that is that you work so hard on something and then if people don't catch it no one catches it yeah um whereas whereas with a film it's it's there you know it's i mean you know now you know film doesn't last forever like dig digital files don't last forever but um it lasts a hell of a lot longer than, than a stage <laughs> production mm. um and it just felt like a natural progression. But yeah, I mean, like I did feel that I needed to learn a bunch, a bunch more stuff before I directed a film because I just had this, you know, you, like, uh, you know, my, my generation sort of grew up seeing film that way, whereas you know the new generation doesn't look at film that way. They, it's, it's very, you know, the film is something that's very, um, directing a, making a movie is something that's very plausible. It's very obtainable now. Yeah. You know, uh, whereas when I was a kid, it was. It was Hollywood or nothing. Even just the know? amount of uh, money you would have to spend on getting film. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You know, like kids today, you know, like direct what, what on film? What are you talking about? Mm. <laughs> they think a film Here's is something you iPhone. see. They yeah. don't realize it's something you used to that, that people used to use. So it's um, and it kind of took me a while to come around to that realization that oh shit, like fucking kids are doing it now. So, and that's a good point. Where did you get all the equipment to make it? Um, Kai had, um, he had used uh, the, the, the Canon digital camera to make relationship status and those cameras were his. Mm -hmm. So I was under the assumption that we would probably, that he would probably be using uh, those cameras. We got some of the audio equipment from, uh, Imagine X, um, where you work, where I work. Uh, but around the time that we were about to start shooting, Kai had, had, uh, been approached by Sony to see if they if he would be interested in testing out their new camera so we used my film as an excuse to test out these new uh sony digital cameras well they're not new anymore but mm. yeah was there a worry about testing them or was just testing them as in to kind of generate word of mouth on them yeah yeah, yeah. no no i mean the cameras were cool i mean he, sh he showed me he showed me uh, stuff that he had shot on that and stuff from from the Canon stuff. I mean, use the fucking Sony Canon, yeah. <laughs> you know. And also, um, even though even though we knew that we there wouldn't be much of a use for it, but it's like the Canon you couldn't shoot slow mo on the Canon. No, you could shoot slow mo on on, on the on the Sony. So suddenly you start thinking, well, what can I do in slow mo? And there are like there's there are a couple there of are things. a couple of slow mo shots in the film <laughs> just because we could. Yeah, it's like this camera. Oh, this camera can shoot slow mo. What's shoot. this button do? <laughs> Patrick, just just walk. 
That's right, yeah, it would be. Oh, sounds familiar, all right. <laughs> so then, you have your happy occasion. We had this. And then, eventually, <laughs> you have to get back on the horse and film, finish the film. Yeah. So how did you get back on the horse? <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> it's great as a podcast, because there's just the way your face dropped completely there. <laughs> no, but I think after uh, after the wedding, for the most part, it was a lot on Gavin. Mm-hmm. Because he had to go... I uh, know, and then you left for... Well, I mean, after the wedding, I sat down with Kai, because Kai was my, also my editor, mm-hmm. and um, I went through all of the takes with him, um, got rid of all of the takes that I didn't want to use, and kept all the takes that I did. I told him roughly what I wanted, and then after that, I went to Singapore to uh, do... Important to being Important earnest. Important to being earnest. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kai was busy with other projects, um, and so... That's when he working on truck, right? And, and, and no, this and this was before Truck. He was there was uh, some other stuff that he was doing, uh, and so the editing process took quite a long time. Mm-hmm. It took a long time. Um, I got a I got a first cut while I was still in Singapore, and it just wasn't good. It just wasn't coming together, and it wasn't coming together for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, like uh, it was it was a particularly long edit. The mm-hmm. fir- the first cut of the film was almost a hundred minutes. Oh. Uh, so it's like almost 20 minutes longer than the the, uh, the theatrical version um, and it just dragged I mean it was I mean parts of it were painful and also the location sound was shit yeah you know a lot of the location sound was just atrocious and that... you had hoped I mean for those of people for people who don't know like you've recorded stuff you essentially have on those Sony cameras almost a silent movie right and then you have the sound recorded separately just separately yeah yeah and then you and merge it together and it was just atrocious yeah yeah a lot of it was not yeah not a lot usable. of it a lot of it was not usable i mean about 80 percent of the film is adr yeah um adr automatic dialogue replacement uh and it's not automatic or or or, or or for uh, for lay, for layman's terms dubbed yes <laughs> or looped looped yeah essentially the 80 percent of the cast had to say their lines all over again yes matching yeah. their lip yeah. actually all of the cast had to say their lines all over again and but they did, had to do like 80 percent of the film and how did they like that they well i mean <laughs> not nobody likes looping nobody likes nobody likes fucking dubbing dubbing shit over i mean it's it's a pain in the ass because sometimes you're really happy with a performance and when you when you got a when you got a ADR scene that you're happy with the performance, it breaks your heart because you don't know if you can get that same performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and not all actors are good at ADR. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Patrick's amazing at it. You know, Patrick's amazing at ADR. Um, Thor, on the other hand, it's a bit. The thing about Thor is that Thor never gives you the same performance twice. Mm. He's always he always gives you something different, which is one of the reasons why he steals pretty much every scene that he's in because yeah. he gives you that you know that thing. It's pretty but, much gold when he when he does do yeah. what he does. But yeah. when you're but when you are trying to ADR a scene, and you say to, and 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 you're dealing with an actor who doesn't give you the same performance twice, it's it takes a while, it and uh, so that was a long process, not just with him but with all of them because mm-hmm. they all had problem problem areas with the ADR. And the ADR as well. I mean, everything at this point is donated time from people. Yeah. yeah. Did still. this yeah. just blow your mental budget? <sighs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you just feel bad. Like they just have to come in over and over again. Mm-hmm. You know, those with bigger parts, of course. But even you recorded it in Imagine Yes. Yeah. So even just that time, was that able to do that out of office hours or something? Or how did you get to do that? Because uh, obviously the 
cost money again. Yeah. It, that was a combination of both. Mm. It was, uh, but it was... How many blowjobs did you have to give to get Quite a few. <laughs> quite a few. <laughs> quite a few, yeah. Uh, like, the sides of my mouth were starting to hurt <laughs> a little bit. Okay. But uh, just, just... They had allocated someone, uh, which was really, we really were f- cool for the people at Imaginex. Thank mm-hmm. you. For Thank you, allocating uh, a dedicated person to work on the film. So, even... It, uh, they came in during... We were film. fortunate because they had a few interns... <laughs> at the time. At the time. And uh, a couple of work experience uh, people come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was invaluable experience for them. Mm-hmm. You know, no, but it was. They've ADR'd an entire movie now. To work in a real yeah. movie, yeah. yeah. Um, and they've also gone kind of loopy, right? Yes. <laughs> and they've gone. Who, I've met one of them. One, one of them still, no, two of them are still at Imagine X. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the interns have since left. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to burn uh, them out. You're supposed to throw them away once you're done with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interns. But just coming back to the edit, um, the, it took so it took a while to get a full to get a full edit. Okay, like just to put things into perspective, we shot the film in September 2012. The final edit wasn't ready until June. Um, 2013. 2000, yeah, yeah, t- 2013. Um, and even actually, no, it was more like May because we could. It was that it was around that time that we were doing the ADR. So the the we had the finished film. The finished pre-censorship board movie was finished in June. Um, but there was a lot of back and forth with Kai on the edit because Kai would have an edit and then I'd give him notes, but he'd be busy working on other stuff that mm-hmm. he couldn't get to work on it again for quite a while. So there were long periods of time where you're, where you're just sort of basically powerless, waiting for, waiting for people to be free so they could. So it actually. And are got, you thinking of it, more it, notes in the meantime? <laughs> no, it actually got to a point where I said to him, "Dude, can I pay you? Can I pay you because I need to be an asshole right now, and mm. I can't be an asshole if you're doing it for free. So I'm gonna pay you." <laughs> so we paid him. So you bought I, him some. You bought some time. Yeah. So so I so I pay, so we paid him so I could be a little bit more of a dick. And he, and he, and and even later I was just like, "Dude, I'm sorry." And he's like, "Dude." Even with you being a dick, you were still the nicest director I've ever worked with. <laughs> you know? So. So that says something about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh shit! No, I'm just kidding. I might need to bleep that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You also get well again. No one listens to this. That was yeah. the first season. <laughs> <laughs> the second season, I hear they were all. Oh great. god! <laughs> Inside Malaysia. Sting. <laughs> yeah, I can get the cut. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, so you have your cut then, and yeah. then and then, and then da- at the same time, David Knight was working on the music. And OJ Law was working on the uh, on the songs. Mm. So you work with OJ, and you just know David from you. You should you lived in college with uh, David. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David and I, we were in college together in the states, and we've kept in touch. And you know, we're, we're very we're very good friends. And uh, he was, and he was living in Malaysia for quite a while. Wasn't he? Oh, he. You should say there was some himself and somebody else were second unit directors at one point, right? Uh, or not second unit, but just they, a little bit. David you, David um, helped helped. Um, Helped out with with the camera a little bit in some of the Coliseum some of the Coliseum uh, shoots. Like he held yeah. it or what? <laughs> no, and that uh, sort of the uh, the teaser yeah. that we shot at, at yes. Paradox. Oh, he yeah. was doing a bit of a camera thing, yeah. hmm. and um, and then he was living in Malaysia for a while, and then he went back to the states, and also kept working on the music. And when Gavin and I went to the states for our honeymoon. We got to hear some of the things that he's done, which mm. is awesome. Yeah, now David's music is amazing. Uh, his score for this film is amazing, and uh, the songs that OJ did is—I mean, they—they—they they, they gel together so well. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, like I was very, very grateful to, for to that. I mean, uh, and and I and it was important to David as well. I mean, he he really went above and beyond with the score. And he has given us a podcast team for like five, six years. Now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've been asking him for a podcast team for ages. Yeah. We can have we can just take this music, right? You own it now, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> David, can we? Did you? Uh, so that's an interesting part as well. So you had your almost finished edit together. You sent. You just give, he had seen it here first, was it, David? Uh, he had seen. No, I, I sent him a I, copy. Uh, I sent him a copy, and I think he had the offline version to kind of just uh, write for. And mm -hmm. then he sort of gelled it when together when we went online, mm -hmm. uh, made some tweaks. So and and even when I was there, he he recorded some of my voice to maybe you know add into the to the music and stuff. I don't know whether he used that, but you know we were there, so we got to see how he was going to uh, put it in or which parts went mm -hmm. where. So from his initial submission to the actual end of the movie, you didn't have to change much apart from tweaking like timings and stuff, or. Um, was the music always the way it is in the you movie? You pretty much gave him free reign to do what he wanted. I gave him free reign, um, mm -hmm. and but there were certain pieces that he did that I liked more than others, mm -hmm. um, uh, because the, the, his first batch of music was uh, pretty varied, um, and uh, not not all of it was in keeping with the tone. So it was more just uh, sort of saying, okay, yeah, this is the right track, this isn't the right track, um, and just sort of going from there. And once the um, you know, once we had the final edit, uh, then he could really just sort of hone in on the timing. Uh, because, you know, I, I had very specific ideas about the tone of the music. Same thing with OJ's songs. It was like, I told him, it was like, I want it all to be 80s. You know, it's like, I want, I want everything to sound, I want everything to sound like 80s synth. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I want the close, I want the, the closing credits. Uh, I want you to, uh, I mean, my, I said to him, when it, the closing credits song, I just want you to think, if you like pina colada, <laughs> you know that that's that's the that's the feel that I want, you know. And, and that's the asylum song, escape song, is it? <laughs> yeah, asylum. What's and, it called? Uh, and, put it on the other day. I was listening to it. It's called Escape Something. Yeah, and uh, and I said like, I and if that remember. and if that doesn't help you, then I just want you to imagine that you're writing the theme song to a National Lampoon's Vacation movie. <laughs> so that was the general feel to it, because I knew I wanted the the closing credits song to be an upbeat. An upbeat song. Hmm. Interesting. So, um, eagle-eyed viewers, we shouldn't say where, but eagle-eyed viewers will spot Gavin in the movie. No, they won't. No, they will. They can't see me. So there, it's, it's so dark, but we did so not. I did dark. notice it the, the third time. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Natty <laughs> spotted it as well. Um. So you said that you your voice might say? be in it. Is you no? Know, I don't want to say. I don't want to say. So you've got people have to look out for because you really do have to look. Yeah. And they're not going to recognize it. It's, this hair now is. You'd have to know that hair then. <laughs> That's true. But there's plenty of photos of that online. So. Even I know where it's coming, and even I don't notice it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, there's a bit when you pull up, there's a point you can see you through the front windscreen. Right, 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 right. It's a very, you have to be sitting in the third row or something like that. <laughs> right. So like, it's like, like I was stuck on last Blink Wednesday. and you'll miss it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you anywhere in the film? No, she, no, I, you didn't no, try I'm and not. sleep as a carry no, on no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. My mom was in it though, oh, which yeah? is strange. This is a bit of trivia. Yeah, yeah. Um, this in the MDB scene, page. in the scene, <laughs> in the scene where Patrick meets Susan at the bar. Yes. Um, uh, there are some people that's sitting behind her. Mm -hmm. uh, 
No, be sitting behind Patrick. Yeah, she's she's an extra in the bar, but she's completely blocked by Patrick's head. <laughs> she's directly completely. behind. Completely, the whole scene. She's there. You just can't see. It's an her. invisible cameo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, no, I'm not in it at all. I no. didn't want to be. Didn't no. want to be. No. Would you think of doing producing on a movie again? Um. <laughs> Even, especially under if it wasn't hubby? Uh, under different circumstances. Like if you were getting paid. <laughs> if we had, you know, if we had, if a, we budget. had a budget. Yeah. <laughs> if we, if basically, if we had a budget, I think, and, and more people to, you know, assist you, you know, just life becomes a lot easier. Mm. Um, the the shoestring budget and the the lack of help. I mean, basically, even promoting and stuff, there, there are very few people that, you know, that we're doing that, mm. uh, aside from me and kind of Gavin and Susan. Um, so, yeah, I, I, w- it, I would probably, I think, <laughs> would like to produce again, but, but yeah, not, yeah. Not, in the, not in the immediate future. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we couldn't do it like... We How could, we did it again. We couldn't, we couldn't do it again like no. this, even if we tried. You know, mm. it's, it was, it's a small miracle that the film got made in time and that we managed to get everything i mean and we called in a lot of favors there's no fucking way in hell you can do this again we'll be able to do it again <laughs> oh that they'll return your calls next time <laughs> yeah. we're gonna need to give them our first board <laughs> or something and call it rumple still skin or, you know it's like remember that 30 grand worth of free shit you gave us we, we need it again <laughs> <laughs> that you can only make that call once yeah <laughs> You know, so yeah, I mean, like we we'd love to do it again, but it, it the circumstances would have to be different. It would you want to be. be our extra again? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was going to start with uh, you know why wasn't I involved more, but we all know why I wasn't involved more because I was busy. So. <laughs> so you and Nadia, thank you. Then you ruined that day shooting with my pills playing. <laughs> we fixed it in post. <laughs> <laughs> didn't use that take. I think you just cut it. Um. So yeah, it's getting life in the cinema. Yeah. And long, it'll last as long as it lasts at the moment. That's the way Cinema Wars well, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get two weeks. We'll get two weeks. Which yeah. is the norm. Mm-hmm. Which is the norm for local films and international films. If, if, if a Hollywood movie is not selling, they pull it in two weeks. Like Captain Phillips was gone in the second here. Mm. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll get two weeks. If it does phenomenally well, they may consider um, extending the run. But it gets the, the, the usual uh, two weeks. A- after that, it'll... Um, uh, it, it looks like it'll probably go on Astro first, although that's not confirmed yet. And after that, any plans? Or just leave it locally? Um, well, we're, we're looking at sort of international distribution mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, it, it does have legs now, so might as well see where it can run to. Uh, so that's something that we can take a look at. Susan and I and Gavin are talking about what can, you know, where to where to take it, you know, and just see if their buy is interested. Mm. So that's one thing we actually missed out on. So yeah, we were kind of writing for your own international mindset and so on, but you did have to deal a little bit with the censorship here. How did that work? Because you had written quite a, a hit money movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And I had... It's I more had, Pulp Fiction than My Little Pony. Yeah, I mean, I had... And, and the, the problem was, was that I had written a hit money movie during a, during a point where there were some uh, fucking public executions going on. Mm. Um, remember? Like, uh, there was like a... The, those like uh, that, that was it was it that that Arab bank guy that got shot in public or something? Oh yes, Ambank. Ambank, sorry. Um, Ambank founder got shot in the car park around the yeah, corner from China. Yeah, and um, 
we had submitted it to censorship roughly around the same time. And that actually really made things difficult for us. Um, because they were under the impression that Malaysians would see this movie and just go out and start killing motherfuckers. You know? And it's a really interesting thing where you're put in this situation because you never ever thought that you'd have to answer mm. questions like that. Um, so that was interesting. I mean, no, the censorship board had issues mainly with um, language. Mm -hmm. That was their main thing, was the language and the theme. Mm. The theme, they, they, um, they said that the movie had dangerous themes. Um, thanks to David's music. Thanks to David's music, <laughs> you know. Um, so they initially proposed 56 cuts. Mm. Um, and so we needed to sort of uh, go and have a chat with them and negotiate that down. And even some, for many people, that would be a revelation that you can. There is, it, there is a, it's a process. It's not a one-two step. Yeah, well, I mean, you appeal it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, uh, they could propose 56 cuts and you could very easily go, yes, yes, you're right. Mm -hmm. Please cut 56 cut. <laughs> uh, or you, you basically go there and defend yeah. why you put that in, uh, how it's going, you know, what the outcome is going to be. Mm -hmm. So he, he did go there and say, well, you know, these are fictional characters. And for every scene that they wanted to cut, they asked him and he justified, you know, why it should be there, why it shouldn't be cut, why mm -hmm. it should be, you know. Just that kind of process. So it's like, you know, showing come up with for bad characters and so on. That kind of, is that kind of level of explanation? So, you have something to do? like that. I mean, it's, uh, it's hard to explain. It's a very surreal experience. Was uh, your movie in the dock and you were the chief? Well, defender? I mean, I, I wasn't there alone. I was, I had Susan with me and I had, uh, the, 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 uh, the head of distribution for, of, um, GSC. GSC with me as well. And she did most of the talking for the first half of the meeting. No. Oh. Because she is used to dealing with them. Um, and once, and then it basically the ball, the, the ball got passed to me when it was time for me to explain myself. Uh, and that was, it was interesting. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it, but it was, it was a fascinating experience. It was a real eye opening experience, mm -hmm. uh, because you kind of get a sense of how some of the, so, how they think. And it's so far removed from how you think. Which is why sometimes when they ask you questions, you're just completely stumped because you never, ever thought you would ever have to answer a question like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, overall, we reached an understanding and uh, nothing was... There were no scenes were cut. Mm -hmm. So visually, the movie is completely intact. Um, they just had an issue with, um, with language. And so I was like, if that's the case, then I want to bleep it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to... You know, partly because I'm an Arrested Development fan, and I like the bleeps. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and also because if I'm going to be censored, I want people to, I want it to be very clear that I've been censored, rather than giving it to them. Because you can give it to them, and they'll just butcher it. They'll, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll do a very, you know, choppy cut. And the music will skip. This or music will in, the skip case and of, in the case of the musical, they actually slow down Mamma Mia, so... The music still played, but the scene stretched before the cut. <laughs> so yeah, it was I did, the only slow mo shot in that movie. Yeah, so I didn't want that to happen. So I just bleeped it. Um, but yeah, it's bizarre. Like the word asshole, for example. Mm. Um, there, the word asshole is bleeped in the film, but mm -hmm. the, but there's also some use of the word asshole that isn't bleeped in the film. And to explain that is like you cannot use asshole in an aggressive way. You cannot call someone an asshole. Mm -hmm. That'll get bleeped. That'll get censored. But if asshole is just used in conversation and passing, not referring to anyone in particular, then it's okay. 
So that's why some, that's why a couple of assholes. So that asshole's good. okay, but yeah. that the asshole Derek's not good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you asshole, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But like you know, the thing you know, you think about assholes like you know, the thing about you know, the thing about assholes is musings that, are more okay. Yeah, yeah. Mu- <laughs> generic musings. musings. G- generic musings are all right. What rating was your actual film? Yeah, eighteen. Isn't eighteen. It? Eighteen. Yeah, eighteen. Yeah. It's a hard R. Which is which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's a it's a PG thirteen. Yeah, it's, a PG- <laughs> it's not PG. Well, yeah, it was PG. By 15, my 15, 15. by our standards, it's a PG thirteen movie. Yeah, but then again, there are eight. There are there 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 are eighteen fucks in the movie. Eighteen. There are eighteen fucks in the movie. <laughs> so by by Hollywood standards, it's still an R movie. Yeah. Um, I think in I think in Hollywood, PG thirteen, you're allowed one fuck. Yes. Yeah, you're That's allowed. The X Men rule, right? Yeah, yeah, you're allowed one fuck. But um, we're not Wolf of Wall Street. And fifteen no. in the UK, I think you're allowed six or eight. Remember yeah. that was a Michael Winterbottom film got stuck a while ago because it was one over or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, so to be fair to the uh, local censorship board, we would be an R-rated film yeah. in America and, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's because it's because the word fuck is used so casually mm-hmm. that you don't notice it. But when I actually went to bleep all the fucks, it's like, oh, eighteen, Jesus. <laughs> you have to count them out. Is that all? So you got fucks, you got assholes. Is that mostly it? Whore. Whore. Well, the word whore um, was whore. only. <laughs> this, this, uh, this podcast is rated 18. No, the word whore was. Uh, the, the word whore is used a couple of times in the film. They had no, they had no issues with the time that um, uh, Thor uses it. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because. I was thinking that would be the particular. Oh. <laughs> so it was the time that Ben used it. Yeah, because when Thor is, when Thor is referring <laughs> to someone as a whore. By the censorship board standards, he's not necessarily lying. Mm-hmm. He, she is kind of a whore. Whereas the, the other, the other use of it was when um, Ted, the character of Teddy, refers to his mother as a whore. Ah. They took issue with that. It's like, no, you can't, you can't call his mother a whore. Ooh. You know. So, so how we sort of got around that because I didn't want to bleep it because it was a, I, I, I felt to bleep it would really kill the moment. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I just uh, we put in a sound effect of a of a motorcycle going past as just as uh, he said that. There is some of the actually some of the characters in the movie are gay. Did that ever cause you pause for thought with regards to well, one of the characters is gay? Yeah. Okay. Um, there was some discussion about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they weren't altogether pleased with it, but um, after I sort of explained where I was going with it, they were oh, <laughs> they reluctantly let it through. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, there was some discussion about that. If you do get a DVD release, you'll be hopefully unbleeping everything, right? Ideally, uh, internationally, obviously. The director's cut. Yeah. 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 Hopefully. The director's cut's the exact same as no bleeps, right? <laughs> yeah. It's already a movie you set up to make yeah. Yeah. once you started filming. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah, it almost seems kind of weird, like, you know, director's cut. It's like the uncensored version because the uncensored version is not really that different. The director's cuts are usually when they have, you know, I don't know, a budget and loads of money and have some extra stuff that they have to cut for <laughs> commercial reasons. Whereas you guys were just completely crazy from the off. So yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, there is there is like twenty minutes worth of deleted stuff, but it was deleted because it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not for commercial reasons. Will there be a blooper reel on any uh, no nope. eventual nope. DVD? No, it's nope. all it's nothing. There's no blooper reel because the location sound was shit. Yeah, we would need to. ADR the <laughs> <laughs> Was it just like, or it was just there? there was one scene where it was where it was like that, where it was just uh, completely unusable. Mm. Um, and then there was about forty percent of scenes that you could use it, but it would just take you out of the picture. Mm. You know, I mean, 
And uh, and when you're working with someone like Mike, I mean, Mike is uh, the guy who runs Imagine X, mm-hmm. and Mike has, you know, we, we, we give him shit for this. He's got the golden ears, mm-hmm. you know, and he's got really sensitive ears. So when I showed him the first cut, he was just, it was the most stressful experience of my <laughs> life <laughs> showing Mike the first cut, of, uh, the, the first cut of this movie because he was, he was having a fucking heart attack, you know, and he was, every single bit, he's just, oh, oh God. Oh Jesus! You know, it's and, like you, and you're, and you're down and yeah. nails and you're, down. And you're sitting board. next to him, like, for fuck's sake, man! Like, I know it's Jesus. Do I do I have to sit here? <laughs> I know you're gonna get back. Can I just leave the room and come back when it's over, and you tell me what's wrong with it? Do I he- do I need to sit next to you and watch you fucking squirm? Just tear it apart? Because <laughs> you know he just like. Just was it was it was it, it was causing invisible pain. Yeah, yes. it was. It yeah. was. And to sit there for for two, for it's an like hour so, and a half. Somebody standing on a kitten, a very <laughs> large kitten. But I mean, just I mean, for an hour and a half, just watching someone squirm at something you've done is just fucking torture. <laughs> but also, having said that, um, I think it's um, an occupational hazard for him mm, having for work Mike, for Gavin. No, for Gavin having you know to work in an audio house mm. so his role as a director kind of went over and above even after post he had to sit there and watch the movie over and over again mm-hmm. being adr being you know just everything i think he's watched it more than like uh, maybe i don't know 80 90 times because he works in a, a sound recording yeah. so he should have known better <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but it was just so but this, much but this, but this is normal for a director i mean directors watch the, you know like uh, directors watch their movies more times than anyone has any right to watch any movie no that's true but you had to sit through the whole ADR process you had to yeah, yeah. that kind of thing which directors don't do don't necessarily no yeah. no or to be a separate person that, well no, I mean normally like a director will when 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 a director takes their movie to Imagine X they'll be like okay here's the movie watch it fix it tell me what's you know like you know. I'll, I'll come back once you've uh, got notes yeah they don't need to sit there and watch these sound people just squirm and go, what a piece of shit, you know? Uh, and I had to do that. Mm-hmm. I had to sit there while Mike watched this and just, just like, fuck it. He couldn't, he couldn't contain himself. He was just blurting out everything that was Tourette, wrong with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, 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 no, what, 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 you know, what, what, what did he use? I mean, like, is the, what about the clip mics? I'm, I'm not getting any readings. What the fuck? You know, you know, and... And you and the whole time I'm just like I'm gonna fucking kill you, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's just nuts. And where were you at this stage? No, I wasn't. I wasn't part of. No, of, she of wasn't the part audience. of. You eliminated no, yourself from that. No, I heard. Uh-huh. I had. I had. You know. I I heard his rants. <laughs> but Once that ring I was on your finger, you kind of just took a step back, was <laughs> no. it? Like I don't have to feign no. interest anymore. No, because I had to deal with with calming him down <laughs> that is work in itself yeah now the post-production process in this film is a fucking nightmare <laughs> it was a fucking nightmare <laughs> but it hasn't scared us off doing it again tell us how you really feel <laughs> no i mean it is what it is no, you know I'm, I'm happy with the movie i'm grateful but it was a nightmare <laughs> post-production was tough mm. on this because for I mean because yeah I mean you're partly you're you're relying on on people's generosity and the kindness of strangers the kindness of strangers and that takes a certain degree of patience because you want to get things done quickly but you can't because you're relying on other people and at the same time 
you're just feeling like shit because you're relying on other people. Uh, and you, there are all of these things that need to be fixed. And you've got your and you've got your EP and your and you know you got your e, and you got your EP breathing down your neck like saying, well, when's it gonna be fixed? And I was like, ah, it'll be fixed when it's fixed, <laughs> you know. And at the same time, you know that the censorship board's coming up, and you mm -hmm. know that you need to get a release date because by because by this point, the movie is no longer for fun. It's a real movie with a real possibility of release that's eaten up months of your life. Yeah, but that's not an issue. You know, I mean, like that—that's part of what goes. That's part of what goes into it. But now the fun aspect is completely gone because it's a real film now. We're not trying. This is not something that we're doing to have fun. Mm -hmm. And that's how the project started, but that's not how it ended up. So apart from the sound, what would you say was your biggest takeaway of what you did in it? In what like sense? learning for the next time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think I think different things will come with a different set of problems, or you know, uh, just different things that you need to handle. Mm -hmm. uh, this one may have been sound. Uh, who's to say? You know what would happen on the next one? But um, aside from the sound, I think there were really no major hiccups. Um, okay. I wouldn't. It wasn't a painful process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a long process. Yeah. When did you go up with the name? What were the names? There was another name. Uh, well, actually, I came up with Take Me to Dinner fairly early. I think second draft, I came up with Take Me to Dinner. There was another name. There were a few. There were a few. Um, but there was some confusion as to whether or not Take Me to Dinner would sound too much like a romantic comedy. <laughs> and so I, I came up with a whole list of potential titles. You know, it's like, you know... Edward, you know, uh, fucking, I don't know, I can't remember them now. There was a list, like, you know, um, even down to really bad B-movie titles, like Hard Way Out. And, <laughs> and, you know, and, but it was just like, you know, one title I came up with was like Edward's Damn Dinner. And I actually really liked that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, she, the producer didn't. Uh, she had issues with um, the word damn. Uh. You know, and, and at that point in the movie, I was like, you know, but it really does feel like <laughs> the <laughs> village on the damn dinner, you know. Um, but um, we, I kept sweet nothings. That was another one. Sweet nothings. Yeah. Which mm. was actually the title of my first play, mm. and I was and and I was just like, you know what? No one remembers that play anyway. <laughs> Going back to the no shelf life thing, you know, yeah. it's like no one fucking remembers it. It's not going to get restaged in my lifetime. So why not just use it? And you know, but that didn't last. Yeah, very that long. didn't last. Yeah. Um, Is that a producer shut down again? No, I I kind of realized that yeah. you know, I was I was running out of ideas at that point, and was coming up with all these different titles, really stupid fucking titles. Um, and then finally, it was just sort of like, you know, I really liked Take Me to Dinner. Did anyone have any real issues with it? And there were people like, no. And I'm like, well, then that's the fucking title. <laughs> <laughs> It made sense. Yeah. You know? You should always start with the worst ones, Lee. End with the good one. You yeah. shouldn't just start with the good one first. <laughs> you waste, you save a lot of time, usually. No, I was I was happy with it. It was based on a conversation I had with someone. I don't remember who. I was probably drunk. And they were like, sounds like a comedy. I'm like, does it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of, um, like, in the script, just a little bit of, of a note. I think a lot, uh, quite a few of the conversations that Kevin and I had, he put into the script. Mm -hmm. Like, the part where... 
uh, talking about film and my left foot. Oh. Well, you see, there, there, there's a whole... That, that scene that's in the movie where they're talking about my left foot, there's like two pages of dialogue that were cut out of mm-hmm. that scene. And that was more based on a conversation we had. The my left foot thing was sort of um, not so much. Because we, Trina and I had a conversation once about how pleased we were that, um, uh, that there are so many good movies we haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Like, said, just, just because we don't care. But I said I never <laughs> watched care. my left yeah, foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never see my left foot. Um, you haven't seen it, it's amazing. <laughs> and um, and that was uh, part. Sounds depressing. Yeah, and so th- that made it into the movie. That mm-hmm. whole thing that sounds depressing. But before they talk about my left foot, they're talking about other movies as well. And um, it was just sort of like oh, the, the Constant Gardener, the Constant Gardener out of Africa. <laughs> out of Africa, I've not <laughs> seen know. the Constant Gardener. It you looks. Know. Boring. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. It's the he gardens. Yeah, it constantly. <laughs> yeah. and and it's like basically uh, all the good lines went to Thor, where Thor is like, because um because Ben was was Ben was uh, ben, Teddy was talking about how he had seen the Ides, Ides of March mm. and how he and how he was telling everyone that it was very thought provoking and everything. And Thor was like, "Can you shut up? I don't want to talk to you. I hate talking to you when you talk about these kinds of things." The it's like, Ides of March, because we've watched the Ides of March, and every time we watch it, I fall asleep. Ah, but I liked it, you know. So, and, so a great adage for people who want to get into, you know, <laughs> film writing like that. Write what you know, right? Write what you. Or what your wife says. <laughs> but, but, Thor, but but Manny has this line. It's like, you know, you know how many movies I haven't seen because I just don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't seen Out of Africa. I know it's supposed to be good. I don't care. <laughs> you know? I'm Manny. So you're Manny. You know, and um, that's creepy. But all of that had to be cut because it just wasn't it's moving the story along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just cut to the Meryl Streep and the uh, My Left Foot thing. Yeah. The pace does speed up as it goes. That was very. Even in even in like long cuts to short cuts, was that very intentional or just necessity? That that was that was intentional. Mm. That was intentional. Um, we needed the build up. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because it was it was partly. I you know the because the because of the way the film starts and it kind of has this sort of meditative pace. Mm. Um, when you're sort of trying to spend some time with Patrick on his own and if you're dealing with a guy who could possibly be at the end of his road there needed to you know I needed to take that time with him in the beginning because I knew that um, we couldn't take that time as it went on mm-hmm. um, but the you know but but even then the whole film still maintains that meditative pace it just sort of it just slowly picks up bit by bit and hopefully you don't quite notice it I said, well, I mean, yeah, probably did. I've seen it three times. It does yeah. feel like there are more long cuts at the beginning, quick cuts at the end. Yeah, and things yeah. do. Yeah. Get, no, and get and that was something that I I wanted to do because I was very much inspired. This will crack you up. I was very much inspired by the Superman Doomsday <laughs> fight, where where um the first where it starts the off comic book or the, the, the comic book. No, the comic book because um if you go back to the comic book, um, it starts off with uh like in the first issue it starts off with like say six seven panels per page mm. and by the time it gets to the final issue it's like full page spread full yeah. page spread so i wanted to work the opposite of that was that i wanted to start with the full page spread and slowly have more panels mm. um and and it was actually <laughs> conscious <laughs> and i used 
Dan Juergen's uh, <laughs> Superman Doomsday thing as a as a blueprint for that. Nice. So learn something new every day. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we have some questions. I put it on the internet for questions, and uh, they're very indicative of what the internet means for humanity. <laughs> most of them are rubbish. Should we be scared? Yeah. Yeah, most of them are rubbish. One we do have from that's from off the internet. Uh, Nadia has a theory on the second time watching the movie. Yeah. Uh, she was wondering that were all is in the lead to the wedding and everything like that. Were all the character all the characters in the film seem like parts? Or all the hitmen in the film could seem like parts of Gavin's psyche. There's the young guy reading comic books. There's the old grumpy cunt. There's the. I think they're all a little all different bits parts. Of pieces. And well, the the kicker for her was this is and, she, and he has to kill them off in order to be with Jennifer slash Trina. Wow, that is deep. Do you think there's much truth in that? <gasps> Um, I never, I never thought about it, uh, but there's. I'm not asking you. Do you think there's much truth in that? <laughs> well, I've never thought about it. I'm just, just let me think. Um, yeah, possibly. There's, de- de- there's, there's definitely a little bit of me in all of those characters. Yeah. Mm. And your wife, mostly in Manny. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, I yeah. mean, like, if if um if Trina is in any of those characters, it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, there may be certain things that she, that uh, that Jennifer says, uh, but for the most part, I I try not to um, put too much of I, I try not to put put her in a script because I like to keep um, certain aspects of our relationship private. Mm-hmm. You know, but there are me cer- too. <laughs> you know, but, but there are there are certain things that she says that when I hear them, I'm like, this is just too good to not. Mm. fucking put in a script because yeah. you, know, you can't write this yeah you know what i mean uh so but there's definitely a little bit of me in all of the characters definitely and if and and to answer nadia's question i i don't know if he kills it maybe he he has done some things for love and in terms of morphing into a, another kind of a a person not too far removed from how he is as gavin mm-hmm. gavin as gavin you know but um, there, there has been apparently. I've heard there is a, there is a change. <laughs> You've heard, <laughs> you haven't noticed. It's not necessarily for the better. <laughs> yep, I changed apparently. I really should have uh, followed my own uh, advice and started with the shit questions instead of the rest of it. But here asks uh, for Gavin how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck chuck could cut chuck wood? Does that mean anything to you? Seven hundred and fifty pounds. Um, Wonder Woman should have tits. Mm. That's my answer to that. Don't bring that up. Um, <laughs> Norazar Murad asks, which Ninja Turtle was gay? I'm not, well, sorry, Kai, Kai, your DP asked that. Which, which Ninja Turtle was gay? Donatello. Sorry, if the assassin was in time, <laughs> in the take, yeah, because I constantly have problems on Twitter. I keep writing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie. Um, <laughs> Instead of TMT. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay's marketing team is looking at tweets going, what the fuck? TMNT. Okay. If the assassins in Donatello the t- was gay, by the way. Yeah, in the, yeah so that Donatello was gay because for Ben, well, the real Michelangelo likes sculpting nude blokes, so that was just Murad making jokes. Donatello would basically fuck himself with his staff. But if the assassins <laughs> in the Taking Dinner movie were Ninja Turtles, which Ninja Turtle would they be and why? That's from Kai. Okay, well, uh, Manny would be Raphael, because mm-hmm. Raphael's just a fucking Grumpy. ball of anger. He's just and an angry, just... angry son of a bitch who has all the best lines. Mm. Um, 
I guess Patrick would be Leonardo. Because uh-huh. yeah. he's just the fucking boring character. <laughs> <laughs> he's the straight man. He's the straight yeah. man, you know? Someone's gotta do it. And, um, um, I guess... Michelangelo. You- Ewan would be Mark... <laughs> well, that's not really fair. No, Ewan would be Donatello. Okay. Ewan would be Donatello. Uh, ben would be Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> Is he sage-like? A gay Splinter. <laughs> And, um, you know, I guess Michael would be Michelangelo. <laughs> He's a party dude. You know. It's, <laughs> it's not quite accurate. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, it's, I don't know, it, it, if, if Casey Jones is allowed to enter the um, the fray, then might might rethink that a little bit. I'll, I'll let me think about that a little bit more. That's we'll good, come back to it. It's a good question. Uh, Leon Tan asks, uh, are you going to release the version with the sex scene? So there was a sex scene? Um, yes, there was. There was. Like, um, was it written or did you just, did you shoot it as well? Sorry, shoot it or was it just written? Uh, and, uh, it was, uh, it wasn't written, but we just, we just shot it. <laughs> we drugged up Susan. We gave, we, we gave, we gave Patrick a bunch of speed and just let him go. Oh, the only problem was, is that he kind of, we, we know we shot it, but we can't use it because Patrick sort of. You know, because he's got polio and shit, so he kind of lost control. Of, he kind of lost control of one leg, uh-huh. and the sex scene was in a pool, and oh. he and he just started going in circles after a while. So you know, we you're just so, just you're gonna burn in hell. Because <laughs> you know he used to be on the water polio team. Oh god, <laughs> you're terrible. This is an old joke. I'm gonna call Patrick up on a polio joke. <laughs> oh no! God. This is an old joke. Patrick loves this shit. This is a joke from Jit Murad. Okay, Jit Murad told this joke ages ago. Okay, but so what? The, what I, was know, like I think Zayn came up with this joke. So to this no, there was, was there, was there no, a sex scene? there was no sex. Scene. There was no sex scene. It's just Leon setting up that joke. Yeah, yeah, what there, an asshole! There was no sex scene. It was insinuated. It was insinuated, that they, yeah. That yeah. they yeah. had sex, but we didn't actually shoot the mm. sex scene. There was some sexy clothes on the floor. Correct. Yeah. No, I mean, like, I never. There was, um, there was some version of a sex scene, but it was more to do with the prostitute. Ah. Like, yeah. But there was never a sex scene with, um, Edward and Jennifer. Mm. I just figured, nah, we don't need to go there. Okay. Uh, from Facebook, what did you have for dinner tonight? Oh wait, 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 wait! Just, just to add, like in an early version of the draft, when they get the call for the dinner, we, uh, we see all the different hitmen, the different characters get the call uh-huh. to meet meet up, and um, I believe that um, Manny had just finished fucking someone or something. <laughs> really? Something like that. A guy or a girl. Yeah, <laughs> it would be it would be cliche to have it be Teddy. Yeah, T- Teddy picks up the phone. And he's like, "Hello, uh, but I'm watching Downton Abbey." Uh, <laughs> you know, that kind of shit. So yeah, um, what did you have for dinner tonight? Uh, we had murtaba. Oh, nice. I had chicken murtaba. She and had lamb. mutton. She had mutton. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. I had te ice and she had te o ice. <laughs> just got a few more then we'll finish up Amelia Chen asks is there going to be a young and sexy sequel with young Malaysian heartthrobs followed by one with three hot chicks I'd be up for that or by three with hot chicks sorry I'd be up for that I'm sure you would mm-hmm. <laughs> no no I mean like uh, I, I'd be up for that I mean like I, I, I would love to do like a, like a hardcore martial arts film mm-hmm. yeah I'd love that would to. be fun 
and um, you know to have it to have it be female centric. If you're wondering what the next difficulty would be, it's probably going to be the martial arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's a <laughs> big red light goes off. You know, and, and I'd love for it to be female centric. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, you know, I think I think that would be good fun. Yeah, because there is only one female character in your entire movie. Uh, well, two, two, sorry. Two, yeah, two, two, two yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it was the, I mean, the Take Me to Dinner is a very, very much a guy's film, so mm-hmm. it, it would be cool to do a, um, a more... Female a, a more fe- not, not just, not just a less misogynistic a, movie. Yeah. <laughs> not, not just, not just a, a more female-centric movie, but a more female-centric sort of, like, action film. Mm. Like, like to, do, to, to still do a guy's film, but just have it be about women. Mm. That would be cool. So, uh, last question from Bahir on Twitter. Uh, in all seriousness, though, was it ever considered to show the hitmen in action past jobs, maybe? No. A past job? Yeah. Their past job. Their or, past, uh, past job or something like that. Was ever, it was never It was never, never really. an idea to show them doing the dirty jobs? Um, the closest that I ever came to that was uh, I did consider a flashback scene where we see um, Patrick's first job. Mm-hmm. Um, because that sort of connects into him telling the story later. It wasn't during that. It wasn't to replace that scene. It was actually to it was, build up. It was to uh, it was to sort of uh, cut back and forth between that scene. That that scene where he talks about the Jerry Loud character. Sure, yeah. mm. um, I did initially have plans to shoot um, a sort of flashback scene to intercut with his story. Um, but yeah, that didn't. We need to find Jerry Lau. We need to find a Jerry Lau. We need to find a young Patrick. We need to <laughs> we need to do a lot of fucking shit. Uh, and we just didn't have the time. Uh, but but that would have been cool. Mm. That would have been. Just more headache. And that reminds me, there is a modicum of violence, shall we say, in the later part of the movie. Was that difficult to do on zero budget? Uh, getting work around? Because it does look quite well. So, but did you just... Was it something you were afraid of? How it would look in the end? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, when you're shooting a shootout with guns that don't shoot, mm-hmm. you're always scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's very scary because you don't, you know, it could look ridiculous. <laughs> um, and it was loud. In the cinema, it's very yeah. loud. It's like, ooh. Yeah. It's the same with the the, 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 tone, the, the time change in the David Knight theme as well. It's like, it hits you really hard. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I had a certain amount of faith in it. Uh, because I knew that it could be done. It, it was just a question of shooting it right and editing it right and making sure that the sound design was right. Because mm-hmm. uh, I knew that the sound design was going to sell it. Um, but I was also inspired by um, the way Peter Jackson shot Bad Taste. Mm. Uh, because there's a massive shootout at the end of Bad Taste and none of those guns shot. Mm. And, um, and how he made it and how he made it uh, work was that he poked holes in, in, the, in, in the film. Ah, so like when you see the gun shoot and all the stuff that's coming out that that those are the holes light that he's poked in the film (laughs) and the rest was sound design Mm. so i knew that we couldn't poke holes in the film but i thought like if i just got the angles right and just relied on the sound design i knew based on that film that you could still work because i remember the first time i saw bad taste and then as soon as the movie was over i saw the making of and i was like what they don't work you know so i was very much inspired by that so i knew it could be done mm-hmm. but i also knew that it could i could easily you know fall on my face cool so take me to dinner is at malaysian cinemas gsc cinemas for the next two weeks, two weeks. in one atama pavilion 
um, Mid Valley, Mid Valley, and in Gurney Plaza, Penang. Any parting messages you wish to give? If you go to see it, thank you very much. And if you don't go to see it in the cinema, try and catch it on Astro first. And if you don't catch it on Astro first, then hey, we tried. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you and good night. Thank you. Thank you.